Welcome to the Geek Geek Podcast, where spring is upon us. The pollen's killing me, guys, but it's spring. It's going to be nice very soon. I'm Void, and I'm here with my co-host, Beige. I like spring. I'm running again. It's happy time. That's good. You are in a climate that is slightly ahead of where I'm at, so you've already been yes. through the worst of the pollen. I'm glad you're running, though. Um, Today, we're talking about webcomics. I don't think it's a huge topic, but it's one that we kind of had on our back burner list for a really long time. And if you guys don't know, it's just kind of like... Any comics that are hosted on the web that are updated regularly. And I feel like these happen a lot more, even just a few years ago, and there's less and less of them now. Or if there are more, they're taking different forms, like people just posting to Tumblr or Twitter or, you know, not having their own site that updates regularly. But um, don't you think? I see a lot on Patreon more than I used to, that a lot of them moved from the the self-hosted, I'm going to have this location on the internet, to they're looking at a crowdfunding. I have a community around me from DeviantArt or from somewhere else, from Tumblr, and they move and get it funded through Tom, or through Patreon, where they have a mailing list, they have the forums that are there, and the the ability to to monetize it as well as interact with the same followers. So I know a lot of them have moved into that that I've seen that, that I see it quite often for web comics creators. Yeah, and I mean, I guess one of the benefits I used to like about them is that they were generally free and self hosted, right. and they would just make their money on like advertising you know on their site because they had enough people and obviously like it's taken that new form now where it's like patreon or whatever kind of supporters that give them money so it's it's definitely shifted in the last couple years and i think part of that is also that that self-publishing has come around and that's so much more in the market of everything that with kindle and tablets in particular that you can go put a graphic novel on kindle and charge for it without really any kind of effort on your part other than the creation which is no different than putting it on your website so i think that has changed it because a monetization tactic that people used to use was putting together these nice uh collections of their comics and having extra stuff there but kindle and all of the ebook kind of stuff that you know like i do has kind of ruined that for them that that avenue's not nearly as lucrative as it used to be right and then there's also like the rise of social media kind of paired with the decay of rss as a format i think those two go hand in hand and it's like you know a lot of people used to use rss and some still do i'm one of them you know i use feedly for stuff but it's it's not as mainstream as it was yeah or exactly um so i think those all tie together and i mean like, before we get into our favorite ones that are, like, active right now, I wanted to run down a list because I still have a ton that I'm, like, you know, technically, like, subscribed to in RSS that seem like they're dead or they're, like, dormant or whatever. So, yeah. things like Hyperbole and a Half and Junior Scientist Power Hour. I always like that Hyperbole. Hyperbole, thank you, and a half. Um, Awkward Zombie, Baneling Barbecue, Saturday Morning Breakfast Cereal. And I know that a bunch of these creators have actually gone on to do, like, books or bigger projects or things that are kickstarter funded or patreon so it just ties back into like your theory which i think is pretty spot on and i love some of these like particularly hyperbole and a half that was one of my favorite ones that i found after it kind of fell off that it was i was really late coming into it so i had the archives to go through and read and i just fell in love with ali broche the the lady who did it because one of my friends suffered from way worse depression than i do and she shared her depression comics that she 
did. And when I was going through all of my stuff, I, I saw that that was exactly how it felt. Like it was the most realistic and accurate portrayal of somebody going through a depressive episode in their life that, that I'd ever read. And it, it was awesome. And just seeing someone who was able to, to put that out there and create it where it, it, I don't even how to put where it was meaningful, but it was, it was very reassuring in order to see that and able to share it. And there was a book that she did called unfortunate situations, flawed coping mechanisms, mayhem and other things that happened. I mean, it was a hyperbole and a half book, but it's, it was so good that it is a great, great, great collection of a lot of the best ones that she did, uh, put together that that checked out from the library and it was great if you haven't read it yeah and then the guy who did saturday morning breakfast cereal which was zach weiner i think is his name um he went on to do a couple different he started with kickstarter i don't know where it's at now but there were a couple different like choose your own adventure books that were really funny and they oh cool they had like it wasn't just straight up choose your own adventure it had a mechanic in it that was almost like a dice roll but not exactly where you would like attempt to do something and you had basic stats for your character that you would track across it and it was, oh, cool. it was fun. Yeah, I like that one a lot. That one's neat. Yeah. And I love, you know, going on a minor tangent. I love that the ability for the Internet to bring the comics up is the same thing that's bringing back different genres of, of books like that, that choose your own adventure books have have kind of had a resurgence with self-publishing and Internet publishing like that. It makes me really happy. Oh, I still do a lot of choose your own adventure stuff. It's not like straight up books now a lot of the time it's interactive fiction which is like yeah ios apps that people launch and i i've read through a bunch of those and i really like them i kind of like where the modern version of it is going even though it's not super mainstream at the moment it's still really fun yeah that i've got a couple of the apps on my wish list that i just haven't bought yet and i will because you've recommended them yeah it'll be cool once you check those out so we can talk about them but yeah okay so those are kind of like the dormant ones that I used to do. But what about you? Like, where are you at? Do you still follow any? Uh, I follow the oatmeal because I feel like Matt Inman is kind of like a soulmate in a lot of ways because of his runner stuff. You know, I've talked about it on here. The And I think you've read it too, the, the terrible and wonderful reasons why I run long distances. Yeah, and I also, oatmeal is one of mine on my list here too. Like, I, I really like what he's done and I'm still, you know, I have him in my RSS feed. So every time a new one comes out, which isn't very often, but when they do, I always read them but when they do yeah that's the thing is they're they're not regular it's not a you get a strip a week or anything like that but they're they're longer more in-depth hilarious kind of commentaries on different topics that just looking at when he said his tesla s was like driving a spaceship or the running stuff or even doing political stuff and and even looks at little animals that what was it the mantis shrimp that uh, was just hilarious that and just made me it just makes me happy to see somebody using the format where they're basically photo essays and comic essays that are trying to do real things rather than just make you giggle like like a lot of them I love those too I mean like I think uh, I know you've you've listed down at the bottom. I see poorly drawn lines where yeah. I love it, but it's not substantial. No, it's poor, poorly drawn lines is like dumb, quick 
humor, like very quick punchlines. And it's if you read like three of them, which will take you all of a minute, you will know if it's the type of humor for you or not. You know, and it is hilarious if it is your kind of humor. Yes. I don't keep up with it. I just have a friend who is so into it that whenever there is one that is just exceptional, he posts it on Facebook and I always see it and I just laugh and laugh and laugh and laugh. Yeah, so that's one. And then another one that I do is Commit Strip. Have you ever seen that one? No, but seeing it that it's programmer-based humor, I'm going to have to see that because I like giggling at really super nerdy stuff. Yeah, it's like programmers and developers. And like if you are anywhere in that kind of world like both of us are, it, it's really funny. But if you have not ever done development of any kind, you probably you probably won't get the jokes. It's probably not worth your time. But yeah, if you are, check out Commit Strip. It's really funny. And then another one. Oh, I have seen this. Have you? uh, While you're talking about it like that, I looked it up as like, I have read that. I just have, I didn't honestly know the name of it. Okay, cool. And then another one that I know is on both of our list is XKCD. Do you still read that a lot? I don't. I fell off of it because it was years ago because I used to keep up every, every single episode update, I guess. Every single time he updated, I would read it and, you know, some I love, some I didn't. And then there was a very long time where I didn't like any of them that came out. I never thought they were funny. So I just kind of drifted off from that one uh, and didn't feel like it was worth my energy going back to it. So did you read it up to the point where he spun off What If? No, I did not. Okay, I think that you were probably reading up to that point because there was a while there where they were, I don't know, they had a different feel to them. And I think he was trying to do too many different things with it. So it didn't always hit home. And he started this thing called What If, which is, it's almost a webcomic. It always has like drawings that go with it, but it's primarily text-based and it's just science questions. And it's like, what if, you know, Tyrannosaurus were still on Earth? Like, how would it affect things? It's not like that. Okay. It's usually something that's very, like, crazy math-based, you know? Or, like, yeah, because that's what he does. Yeah, like, what if the planet suddenly stopped all motion? Like, what would happen? I think that's right. one of them that he's done in the past. Um, and I like his infographic kind of comics like that that he does. That were not necessarily infographic, but the you know what I'm talking about with the stuff like what if where it's comics and long pieces that explain things. So it it feels like after he started doing what if that kind of stuff migrated over there and then XKCD became funnier again because it was more focused on like the quick hits or like, right. You know, do you know what I mean? Yeah, I do. I exactly know what you mean because it was, it's not as though I didn't enjoy them, but even when he was trying to do quick hits, they were entirely around the kind of what if ideas, but you can't really get those in a three panel comic. Yeah. So if actually, if what if sounds interesting to you, you could go check it out for free on the site, but also there's a book that he did that contains all the best of what he posted online, plus a oh, bunch cool. of yeah, plus a bunch of extra ones that he did to add to the book as like unique pieces of work, essentially. That's awesome. I didn't know he had done that. I knew he had a lot of stuff in the store, but XKCD still has one of my absolute favorite. It's a single panel comic that used to be the that used to be the desktop of my computer. It's uh, it's one of his very early ones back when he he still scanned them from his grid lined uh, notebooks. And it's just a picture of a, of the stick figure guy riding a dinosaur that says, uh, before you get to know me, uh, something along the lines of before you get to know me, you should know I'm kind of strange. 
and it was like that's perfect i like that that, like that, that pretty much sums up me. That it's like, if you want to get to know me, I'm kind of weird. You know, I'm kind of strange. Nice. I, I just, I just really fell in love with that. Well, then the last one that's on both of our lists too. I see it is Penny Arcade, which you said right. you used to read it, but you don't really anymore. I used to read it, and then it started just feeling so negative to me that so often I would read it, and the the essays that went along with them were so critical of the industry and the comics themselves were just so negative and felt so complaining about issues within games that I just stopped reading them entirely. Yeah, it was that for a little bit in there, but I bet you've been away from it for a really long time. I have. It it has been a very long time since I've been on there, since I've read it. I'll occasionally go and look and sometimes giggle if somebody links it, but that's about it for Penny Arcade for me. I never stopped reading them, and I I really like it now. There was a period where you're right. It was kind of a little bit too negative, but then like they both... Honestly, part of it is both of them kept getting older, and then both of them had kids. And right. a lot of the time now, like the comic is just straight out of their daily life, like them and their families and their kids and things that happen. And it's almost always at least tangentially related to geek culture or video games or something. But yeah, it feels like someone that's more in my situation, you know, who's married with kids, okay. which is, yep. I, I don't know. I like it. I still like it a lot. That's awesome. Because like, like I said, it just got so it felt angry, I guess is the way to say it. not negative. It just felt angry, that kind of angry geek culture that I drifted away from when it was still in that I moved away from the comic entirely. But I like that kind of domestic geek uh, lifestyle culture stuff. So I may go back and read some of the more recent ones to see if it it fits into what i like these days yeah and i mean you'll see they still have like crude humor in there also but oh yeah crude is fine okay but it's it's less overall negative than it was for a while but so yeah i i really like penny arcade um that's kind of the main topic that was (laughs) that was quicker than i thought but that actually gives us more time for weekly geekery but before we do that let's dive into our geeky offer of the week this week you have audible and you have it this week a long time ago, there was an audiobook that Audible did with the cast of Battlestar Galactica. It was called Metatropolis, and it was a shared world anthology that was specifically written and edited for Audible. It was one of their first ones that they did, and their selling point was that uh, it w- every different story was a cast member of Battlestar Galactica. And I loved this. I was super into BSG, and I, I went crazy for it. I pre-ordered it, listened to the pre-stuff they did, and it was edited by John Scalzi, and one of the contributors was Tobias Buckell. And at the Reader Write Book Festival that I just finished up with and talked about, uh, Tobias and I were talking and that was the one he got a Hugo nomination for. And I'd forgotten he was in there. And so we just started talking about the process behind Metatropolis, the follow-up anthologies that they did, and just how Scalzi putting everything together brought the anthology to life, really, that it gave it that boost of it it had a name that people knew for an editor it had the name from Battlestar Galactica especially at the time when it was released or in the show's height and it was incredibly well written that all the stories were very high quality and it's kind of a dystopian post not post-apocalyptic but speculative future corporate almost cyberpunk 
uh, anthology of shared world corporate kind of cyberpunk stuff. And it's hard to describe, but it is absolutely fantastic. And there used to be free things that you could do if you already have an Audible subscription. But if you have no Audible subscription, please go to audibletrial.com slash geek2geekcast and grab Metatropolis. I don't think that you can be disappointed, especially with it being, you know, unless you hate sci-fi, but it's a short story anthology, so it's very easy to just pick up, listen to a little bit, and go. Have you listened to this one at all? I haven't, but now I want to go check it out. Super good. I really think this is up your alley. It's not necessarily space sci-fi, but it's that, uh, it, or space opera kind of, but it is definitely speculative futurism, and I think it's great. Kind of ecological as well. It's it's just good. Cool. Yeah, no, it definitely sounds like something that I would read or listen to or both. Yeah, there is a print version, but listen to there is a print version of it, but definitely listen to it that there is there is no in no circumstances unless you are deaf that you should not listen to it over reading it. And with that, it's time for our weekly geekery where we share what we've been geeking out about this week. I know you've been playing WoW. How's it going? I've been playing WoW a lot. Um, I love it right now, actually. it's I'm coming back in at the perfect point for an expansion for me. That it is after the first couple of content updates where there are catch-up mechanisms to help newbies and alts and people who want to switch characters or come back into the game to get moderately geared where you avoid the major grind and can just do the last leg of it and see brand new content as it comes out. And I love this, that I've got my Demon Hunter up to level 110, and it's super fun to DPS on, and I'm kind of bad at DPS, but I realized I'm even worse at tanking, and uh, I don't enjoy it in WoW. I like it in other games, but tanking in WoW and dungeons is not necessarily my thing. But So I leveled up as a tank because you couldn't die as a Demon Hunter that you go tanky and and quest and you I could just pull everything and and kill it and I told you last week that I was like 105 and killed 110 elites like super easy as a tank and the dungeons are actually very cool it's a step up from warlords of draenor in terms of dungeon design how everything is put together the storytelling I mean I know when you went back you saw the storytelling it upgraded but I've just the catch up mechanics and I found a really good guild have helped that yesterday I just kind of mentioned, uh, you know, what level do you have to be to run Mythic Dungeons? And somebody was like, uh, you're about 850, yada, yada, yada. And uh, I was like, oh, I'm not that high yet. And they're like, oh, we'll carry you. You want to go get some gear? I was like, I've been in this guild for like two or three days. And it was one of those random invites you get just because you're ungilded. And it's full of really nice responsible adults where we were talking about student loan forgiveness and being an adult and weddings and it's like oh man these aren't just a bunch of angry you know teenagers out for the summer this is uh these are nice helpful adults who are playing a game and building a community so spending my free time doing that this week has been very fun seeing that side of the game again that I haven't seen in a long time. That's cool. It actually doesn't really surprise me because like last time I checked, I think the average gamer is like 35 or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it used to when we were teenagers, it was totally teenager dominated. And yeah, a, absolutely. Lot of, a lot of people still think of gaming as that way. But it's more and more like the people like us who've grown up with it still play games, you know, so that average yeah. age is only going to get 
like dragged further and further along the line kind of with our age group and i'm sure it'll even out at some point because kids still play games too obviously like you know right i have cousins and stuff that are a lot younger than me they play games i know they do um but yeah yeah that's good to hear it's good to hear that you kind of fell in with the right type of group for you yeah and i don't think i'm gonna stick it out for a long haul i'm not gonna treat it like a part-time job and raid like i used to but there is enough content and enough areas right now where it can be fun if you have a small group of people that you want to play with like the mythic dungeons that are really interesting because it's what basically replaced the heroics there are different tiers of dungeons now from normal leveling dungeons then there's the heroic ones that are basically the normal dungeons from before and then there's the mythic dungeons which you can't use the the dungeon finder to do and as you finish them you get a keystone that Every time you finish that, it basically upgrades the dungeon one level of difficulty. So it's like a challenge mode up to, I think, level 15. So for individual dungeons, and they reset every week with appropriate loot, yada, 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 and different challenges and different, like... um enemy abilities during each dungeon so it that's the kind of stuff i like with small group content with people i i've gotten to know and like so that's going to keep me playing where i don't really care about a group of 25 people doing a six hour raid at night i might have an hour and can go in and use my keystone during the middle of the day with a group that's on if I'm on my lunch break or something, where that's what appeals to me about MMOs, and that's what they've finally put in, if that makes any kind of sense. Where it took like 15 years, 13 years, but it's there now for what I want as an adult. Yeah, it does. And actually, this kind of ties into one of my things, was I was watching all the Destiny 2 stuff that came out this week, and... I think I'm interested in it. Um, I don't. I, I don't know. Did I ever talk about Destiny One? It was probably before uh, we started the podcast. We, you talk a little bit about it and how you got into it, but I don't know if I've ever heard you talk a lot of details because I don't know a lot about it. And I feel like if you had talked more in depth about it, that I would know more than I do. So I really liked the core of Destiny One. I liked. It's probably one of the best console shooters I've ever played in terms of moment to moment gameplay, like the feel of the weapons, the feel of the levels, um, the feel of like, you know, going in as a group. It's kind of the feeling of like a Halo 2, Halo 3 Mm -hmm. when it was in its prime, because it's the same people who did those games. Yeah. And that is exactly why I bounced off of it is because I didn't get far enough into the game. Like I just played their free download, but I didn't get far enough into it to see anything past it just being a Halo 2 or a Halo 3 and see the new stuff and the the upgrades that they had done to it. Well, it, it doesn't feel like Halo, but you can tell that like the team learned so much from that that they went to make this right. game and it's better. And I love that about it. I love that moment-to-moment gameplay. And I played all of Destiny 1. I guess there's different years because they've like upgraded over time. So I played at the beginning, right? Which I guess is considered right. year one now. And um, I played all the way through the end of the game. And then I just stopped because there's there were no tools in place for someone like me to actually play the game after you hit max level and you had done all the story content because really yes you you would have to do group content or pure grinding in order to keep upping your light level and even then if you wanted to do the next thing that was like 
you know, you were supposed to do, which is like raiding or yeah. increasing your difficulty level of the kind of strikes that you were doing, which are those like three man co-op against, you know, PVE basically. Um, yeah. You had to have groups. They had no group finder for it at all. Like, oh, okay. you could only do the normal level stuff and that there was no normal level rating. So I never got to see any of the end game content. And I just, I can't fit it into my life to like coordinate with six people and you know block out a whole night to play a game and like ignore my family and my job and like it just it doesn't work for me like there's no way that's ever going to happen for me and so destiny 2 they're already talking about tools in place where they're going to let people do group finding and it's not all the way a group finder yet so i'm still kind of ambivalent um but then again, I liked the core of Destiny 1 enough that I know I'm going to play Destiny 2, and I will at least do the same thing I did last time. I will play from the beginning of the game to the end of the game, and then I will get my character to max level, and then I'll see. If they have tools there for me that are going to work with my life, I will keep playing it probably, and if not, I'm going to stop, because that's what happened last right. time. That's okay, because you get at least the money's worth that you pay out of it when you when you like a game and at least get through it play that's why i don't feel bad about legion right now is because i'm getting the fun out of it i don't feel like i just got bored like i have with other mmos after i pay for so i want to play destiny 2 as well because i've not seen a whole lot of detail about it but it's also i know that i've heard so many good things about where destiny went that they have to have learned a bunch Yes, yes. I hope they learned a bunch. And then my only first, well, my core frustration with that first game is if they had just put a group finder in there at high levels, like that's all I needed. Like pair me up with a bunch of other random people that also don't know what they're doing. I don't care. Like it doesn't need to be super coordinated. I just want to see the content. And I couldn't even do that. It's like content I paid for that I had no way to access, like no way at all, just because it doesn't work. It doesn't work when you're married with kids, like unless you're going to block out a night nope. and ignore your family and tr- also try to coordinate with five other adults. Like, good luck. I mean, I, yeah. I don't know. That's why I'm wild that I like the dungeon finder that or the raid finder, because I just want to see the content. I don't want to do heroic and mythic raiding anymore like I used to. I don't want to spend an entire night away from my family. I want to just see what they're doing with it and experience that one or two times. And then that's why I also like, like I said, this mythic dungeon system is that there is challenging content and smaller bites that I can do when I have time and want to and keep new things going on and keep me on my toes and have not just a a bashing your head on the keyboard. So I really hope for your sake that Destiny 2 has that. Heck, I hope for my sake Destiny 2 has that because with it being through Blizzard and Battle.net for their online like platform and portal, I mean, because of their Activision Activision ties, that I'll probably pick it up and play it just because it's easy on PC now instead of it being disconnected and having to use a different portal. And I mean, I'm a lazy gamer. And if I see it there, it's like, oh, yeah, I'll do that. And I think this is kind of the future of MMOs. Like, I don't think we're going to see many traditional MMOs anymore in the future. It it no. feels like everything's going more towards this Destiny thing where there's, you know, there's single player content, but then there's like matchmaking and group finding and clan or guild building, whatever they decide to call it in that game. And there's end game content. And hopefully you can do some kind of raid finder, group finder. And if not, you can pair up with people like it feels like Destiny is just basically where MMOs are going now. Yeah. Um, which is interesting. 
and it, it'll be fun to watch like what wow does in the next couple expansions too because i haven't ever written off wow completely i always look at the next expansion because it might be for me yes you know and and that's kind of what i've done with this one is i always look at them and decide whether or not i'm going to pick it up later or i'm going to pick it up immediately and warlords of draenor i picked up immediately and then i stopped playing it and came back at the point that i'm in right now uh because i wanted to see that content because burning crusade was my favorite expansion of the the game and it went and revisited that content this one i didn't care anything about so i came in later and any other kind of mmos i want something like destiny i want something that has those kind of quick play actiony elements that aren't a traditional long mmo grind and so for the next few expansions from what they've done on wow i expect that out of them especially after the stuff that they've learned from overwatch and its success and all the stuff that they've taken away from what project titan was and probably moved into overwatch uh and wow at some point yeah and like like you were saying too this is through BattleNet. it's through the blizzard launcher and that actually might go a long way towards solving my problem because i don't have a whole lot of friends on ps4 and the ones i do i've never actually like done much with it's kind of random people whereas yeah BattleNet is people that i've known for a long time or are also twitter friends or blogger friends or podcasting friends and those are the people that i will randomly jump into a game with whether that's hearthstone right or Overwatch, or whatever, you know, like, you're there, Rob's there, a ton of other podcasters and, like, Twitter friends and stuff are there, so maybe that's what I do, maybe I just go with the PC version of it, and I kind of already have this friend network built in, so that hopefully, maybe they will at least carry me through the raids once, even though I'm never gonna be able to make it, like, a regular guild or clan thing, that just, it just doesn't work for me. And I'm hoping that that happens, because I know in WoW now, uh, WoW now, brown cow, that in uh, WoW, Whenever somebody in my guild or friends list queues for something in one of the dungeon finders or looks for a group, it sends a notification above the chat window where it's like, so-and-so is queued for a five-man heroic dungeon. Would you press this button to join? And it's like, that's really cool. We don't even have to ask if you don't want to, that you can just pop in with people. So that may be the case with with the shared servers and the way that they do everything now on on wow maybe the same thing with destiny where if you see one of your battle net friends grab it you know grab a dungeon you can do it too i'm really excited for it like it, it just got my i don't know i knew destiny 2 was coming i knew that i would probably play it because i played through one and i liked it and it was totally worth my money for what i did but seeing that there are more tools for grouping even though i'm yeah. not sure if they're everything i want at least it's something closer it, it just makes me more excited for it so that that got me very interested this week i'm not like super over the top hyped for it but i'm definitely watching it closer now than i was before yeah Okay, I like that. This kind of became an episode about the future of MMOs, and I'm fine with that. It, um, it did. What What else did you do? I shouldn't even just pretend. I know that you got an Apple Watch this week. How do you think? Yeah. What do you like? Do you like it? Do you I not like, like it? it so far. Okay. And I, I like it because I, I had told you, I don't remember if I mentioned on the podcast, that because I got that, that surprise temp job that turned into another one, Jennifer told me to treat myself. She was like, you worked really hard, you did something, you stepped up and uh, and didn't think about it, you just took a job that was out of your wheelhouse, you really should just treat yourself to something. I bought myself a table saw, it made me feel better, buy yourself something shiny. And 
So I thought about it for a while and I decided I wanted an Apple Watch because the Series 2 is for runners. It has GPS built into it and I'm getting disconnected from Twitter, which makes me really sad because as I'm working, even if it's in another tab, I don't always look at my phone for notifications and I don't always see something that's in another tab that comes through because I don't have any any kind of desktop notifications for it and those kind of because they kind of annoy me and break my workflow. But on my watch, for some reason, I can look at it, see it, and then I'll know about it without it necessarily breaking up what I'm looking on the screen. Maybe it's the way my brain works. But it's going to make me be able to interact with people on Twitter better whenever I have something. And because it does heart rate all the time, and I'm always wanting to look at that to see what is is causing me anxiety. Like like last night, I was watching something and uh, just sat there and my heart rate went up. So I looked and sure enough, my heart rate had gone up from what it was before. And so I'm just making me more conscious of that. And like this morning, I texted you from my Apple Watch because I'd forgotten my phone inside. Small things that are gimmicks it is not necessary in any way whatsoever but it's going to be something that i'm trying to just straight up integrate and it's interesting so far i like it i don't know if it is definitely not worth the money don't get me wrong it is you spend a lot of money and the features and what it does is like there are better things to spend your money on but if it is a complete and total splurge where you just want to treat yourself and it's been like a while if you're uh you if you're like me and jennifer was like it's been a long time since you bought a useless screen i'm like i know right and it's it's fun. It's a useless screen that I don't feel like I wasted my money on yet at this point. And I also signed up for the Amazon credit card to get $70 off of it Bought and bought it from a second party seller. So I didn't have to, <clears throat> I didn't have to pay taxes on it and uh, had prime shipping. So I got it at a significant discount for the brand new uh, series two. Wow. So cool. yeah, I mean, it's, and it's the bigger one, the 42 millimeter, because even though I have tiny, dainty wrists, uh, my pebble was just barely bigger than this one. And I realized that the smaller one just wouldn't have worked on my wrist like I wanted it to. So I'm really interested to see in like a month if you're still yeah. liking it and if you've integrated it or if it if it's just a gimmick. Yeah, exactly. Me too. Okay. Because they still sell. They have a they have a very high resale value if, especially when they're in good condition. So I mean, if it turns out this is a stupid decision, not necessarily a frivolous one, but a stupid one, I can always sell it and probably make more money on it than I've got in it. Uh, I've keep kept on watching the Great British Baking Show. I interrupted you last week to be like, oh, have you ever watched this? And I've still been watching it. We've watched two seasons of it, and I just love it. I just I just really like it. The people are friendly to each other, and there's no money, so it's it's not a like American-style competition. I tried watching Chopped on Hulu or Netflix or something the other day because I just wanted something on and I realized that it was still so sensational that I didn't necessarily want to watch that so I just stopped it and I wanted to ask you one of the reasons I put this on here is you've mentioned I can't remember what from Australia that you've watched and loved so much and I wanted to make a note of it because I couldn't remember which show from Australia it was that that you like the cooking show yeah, so it's MasterChef Australia. Okay, it's MasterChef. Yeah. I couldn't remember if it was MasterChef or if it was if it was the Great Australian Baking Show or something no. because because there is a great American baking show that's a spin-off of this one that has Paul Hollywood in it, but the host is Jeff 
Foxworthy. Ew. And I am not wa- – yeah, exactly. Ugh. I yeah. am not watching that. No, it's um, it's MasterChef Australia because MasterChef, I guess, is like a global brand now. So I think there's MasterChef like France and UK and Canada, and there's a bunch of them all over. And okay. um, some of them are harder to get and find than others. But the one that we consistently have been able to get our hands on – and watch that is really really good is master chef australia and we cool. used to watch master chef us but it got way too sensational like you said and master chef yeah. australia is kind of what you're talking about it's just it's positivity everyone works together there's no infighting there's no drama it's just like people enjoying each other's company and the cooking and yeah I, yeah it's 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 a competition but it's a very friendly competition whereas yeah. every american competition show is like rivalry and drama and that's yeah. that's what they try to do and i just don't like that kind of tv whereas i, I don't love like it. master chef australia and i also like any of the cooking shows that, that like you said like that except the ones i like the most are the kids ones because they're always nice to the kids and at least the ones i've watched that any of them that are like i haven't seen master chef master chef junior but like there are kids baking championships and special things like that and i just love it because watching these kids is both impressive and they're like super nice and it's like they help each other out and i'm just like this is what you need on tv rather than having everybody like hate each other all the time and like vying for twenty five thousand dollars like it would make me upset too i would be angry if that happened and little kids are just like i'm baking some cookies and i'm like cool you are you're having a good time one of the things too is like gordon ramsay i know they use him for as many cooking shows as they can the -hmm. personality he puts on for the u.s shows is not his actual personality totally different and if you ever watch any of his british stuff like that's him that's that's him just being like him and genuine and he's nice like he definitely has maybe a hard edge to him but it's it's nothing like the yelly screamy gordon ramsay that we get in america Um, it is a persona entirely manufactured you can watch kitchen nightmares or like you said any of his british shows and they're so much better. They're 10 times better than anything he does in America. Well, and like if you watch Master Chef Junior, which I've I watched a couple of those seasons, not a whole lot, but his personality there is much closer to what it is when he's doing his like shows in Britain. So I figured because it yeah. was kids, I figured he wasn't yelling at them and telling them to die in a fire and throw their face in a skillet. No, I, I figured not. At all. But actually, it ties into one of my weekly geekeries. My wife and I went to. <laughs> It does. Not the skill and the fire part, but the baking show. Um, <laughs> My wife and I went to a macaroon class because we've been wanting to try to make them for a really long time. And oh. they're just like, they're a finicky cookie and they're intimidating. And it's one of those things where I'm pretty good at baking and I really like baking. And as soon as I see something with my like eyes in front of me once, right. I'm, I'm fine to make it again. So we went and we had you know it's it's one thing when you have like a baker standing over your shoulder looking at how you're like whipping up the egg whites with the sugar and they go okay right there that's how it's supposed to look it's one of those things where it's like you just need to see it once and then you just go and you do the recipe on your own like over and over and over and you've got it so we did that this week it was really fun it was a fun date just to go on because we try to do this kind of thing every once in a while baking classes and experiences more than you know just buying stuff yeah that was really cool. That was really fun to do with her. And we're just waiting because it's been raining all week. So the humidity, we haven't actually been able to try the recipe again. Um, as soon oh, as the yeah. humidity goes away, we're going to make macaroons probably like three or four nights in a row until we get the recipe down. So that was really fun this week. 
That's something Jennifer and I have talked about doing, that we've wanted to find a cool cooking class and do together. And since she's a programmer, uh, not programmer as in uh, like computers, but she does programming at her library and sets up different programs for people. And, and one thing we've talked about is her setting up a cooking series where you learn like knife skills and things from the local culinary school that we have. And we thought about doing something like that. And we just love it because I love to bake as well and she's she is one of the best cooks I've ever met and it's not even not even that she's my wife I lucked into her coming from a cooking family where they're just all really good at it nice and I've I've wanted to do that especially because it's the same way that you talked about we do experiences over things that we try to spend our money on doing stuff that whether it's a trip or a class or something that's going to be memorable like that's why it took me so long to get the Apple Watch or any kind of new shiny and useless screen is because our money goes elsewhere whenever we have any kind of disposable income where it I want, I want, I want you to make me macaroons once you get them. It's like <laughs> I'm gonna have to be all like, "Void, mail me some macaroons." It's and... probably like the worst cookie to try to transport, but I'll, I'll see bet. what I can do. Yeah. Did you have anything else for Geekery this week? Um, have you ever tried online banking? Like, n- not necessarily the depositing your check at your bank, but one of the online only banks. Like, no, I started doing simple recently it's simple.com it is a cloud bank where they're they're you know bonded through a particular bank i can't even remember now but it is you get a debit card and you have an online account and you have an app and you can deposit checks and they sent me a visa debit card and i'm trying it out i want to see because our bank is an hour away. I, we haven't transferred yet. It's been we ha- have to go in the middle of the day to set up uh, to set up an account at one of the locals. And Jennifer's at work during the day, and it's just hard for us to do it. We're lazy. We, we're forgetful. So I just set up one of these online banks, and I'm really intrigued to see how it works out because there are routing numbers and and account numbers like everything else. Uh, you just can't get checks from this one, and. Because, I mean, most places don't take checks, and we have to use it for a couple of things every once in a while. But I'm excited to see how it works. That simple is simple. I set it up. I was approved for the account. They gave me a debit card, and I've deposited a couple of checks that were approved. So it's super easy, and the app is super nice and easy to use. See, I'm I'm interested to see. This is another thing. We're like, let's give it a month or two, and you report back. But this is also one of those things where you live in a different place than I do. Because, like, right. between me and work, there's, like, three branches of my bank. Like, there's no reason okay. I would ever go to something like this. And if even if I were to switch to a different bank, like... I know another one or two different types of bank that, again, between me and work, which is only like 12 minutes away from me, I I would pass like two or three branches of it. Like I just I live in a bigger city than you. So it's probably different. I'm also very particular about certain things and I don't like corporate banks. And it's this is a startup. And so it feels like I would rather give this a shot than go to Wells Fargo or Bank of America, where if I were to do anything locally, it would be a local bank or a credit union uh, because that's that's the kind of 
that's the kind of personality I have. So I was like, this is a startup. It's a, I've read about it. It's okay. I haven't you know, seen a whole lot of really negative things about it. And it also, because it's so prevalent online, I use a system called Acorns, which whenever you debit something, whenever something comes out of your account, it rounds up the next dollar and puts that in a savings account. And Acorns invests it in the stock market whenever you do that. So you get a little bit of interest in dividends and stuff. So it this one syncs with all of those just super easy and i'm looking forward to seeing just how everything goes and this may end up being my business account this may end up being something i use solely for freelance payments for things transferring from paypal for having um stu- direct deposits and invoices being paid it may not become my primary bank but it's something that i can use that i know integrates with all of the tools that i'm using for freelancing pretty easily too cool Good. You did a bunch this week. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, we got a new guinea pig. He's a baby. He's tiny. He's very cute. He doesn't have a name yet. He is cute. He's fun to You cuddle. need to name him Waddles after the pig on De- Gravity Falls. I don't understand that reference, so no, that's not going to happen. Um, we have a down to a couple Gravity names, Falls. but we haven't, we haven't decided yet because he's still very new. Um, but the yeah. other pigs like he's him. He's super adorable, though. Like, I've yeah. looked at that picture, but like, oh, that pig. I just want to eat it. Yeah. Don't eat him. Um, but the other pigs really <laughs> like him, and good. it's good. It's going well. I, I don't have a whole lot else to say except that we got him, and he's brand new, and he's very cuddly. Um, and then I – so, okay, Horizon Zero Dawn. I want to talk about this a little bit. The, it's the effect of talking about things on the podcast, and this used to happen to me when I was writing – I mean, if you guys haven't checked my blog recently, I I haven't had time, so all my effort goes into the podcast every week instead of the blog, which – I like better. It's more fun to be able to talk to you every week and put this out in front of more people. Um, It is. But the same effect is when I used to write more often on the blog, it's like as soon as you have to talk about something or write about something, it makes you like crystallize and like verbalize what you feel about it. And it might not seem that different because you already have a feeling like in your head or in your like, you know, you kind of have this internal feeling about a game. But once you actually have to say out loud how you feel about it, It really puts it in the forefront of your mind. And the very next time you sit down to play that game or read that book or watch that movie, it's like something is different. There there is a difference about it. You know what I'm talking about, right? I'm the exact same way because I'll sit there and I'll think it to myself. And then as I'm playing it or I'm watching it or I'm reading it, I keep thinking and I'm like, okay, I'm going to keep going. I'm thinking this. It's always in the back of my mind and I'm just experiencing it through that lens and then I verbalize it and I talk to you or I say something to my wife or I write a blog about it or whatever and I'm like okay I've gotten that out of my system now and I'm gonna go do something else because that was literally the only thought and feeling I had about it was this it never changed so I've said it I've got it out of my system let's move on where her uh, no man's land no Man's, that. Sky. no Man's Sky. Yeah, yeah, No Man's Sky did that for me, where I was fully intending on playing it more after we did our podcast on it last year. I think both and of us were. I never logged into it again. Me I just either. uninstalled it yep. because I I never thought, I thought, I was like, yep, that is everything I experienced. That is everything I wanted out of it. I didn't have a totally bad time, but I I'm done. And it was because we talked about it. So this is one of those things where, like, if I'm still, like, playing or watching or reading something after I talk about it on the podcast, if I come back for the second week in a row, 
and I'm still yes. talking about it. And it's not in a way that like, hey, I wrapped up here are my final thoughts, but it's like I'm still actively doing it. You know that it's really, really good. And I'm really enjoying yes. it because that did not happen with Horizon Zero Dawn. What happened was I talked about it last week. And then when I sat down to play it again, I started it up. I played five minutes and I went, no, I'm done with this game. Like uh, I, I got everything out of my system. I talked about it. I was like, oh, yeah, I wanted to play this game more and see if I was going to get into it. And I'm just nope. I'm done. So nope, yeah. I stepped away from that one. I'm done with Horizon Zero Dawn now. But I wanted to talk about that that kind of like podcast effect. And like I said, it happened when I was like blogging to writing. Anytime you have to like actually put down the words in some form or another, whether it's talking about it or writing it, anything like that. Well, it kind of crystallizes everything. It kind of makes it tangible where it's not just a fleeting thought in your mind like, oh yeah, this boss kind of stunk. And then it's like when you go and you talk to your friends about it and everybody hates it. And and it's just like, yeah, yeah, that boss is the worst. And it happens with movies all the time. Uh, whenever you know you like a movie that's kind of all right then you talk to everybody else about it and it's kind of like rogue one for me it was i liked it well enough in the theater a couple of times thought about it for a while and then talking about it with you i'm like "Mm -mm, mm -mm, nope mm -mm, mm," is are pretty much my thoughts on rogue one because we talked about it yeah and it's because i say it out loud i don't it's not really like that other people are influencing what I think about it. Yeah. It's more that I have to say what I think about it. And then it's like, oh, it's like, okay, that's how I really yep. feel about it at the core of things. And Yeah, exactly, because that's what I'm putting out. It's not just kind of a fleeting thought. Yeah, and with Horizon Zero Dawn, I wanted to hunt more robot dinosaurs, and the main story kept pushing me into these like tribal conflicts that I cared nothing about. <laughs> with characters yeah. that I cared nothing about and like I just I wasn't invested in it at all and it kept putting me against humans that were like the most boring thing to fight when you have a world full of giant robot dinosaurs like I, I don't know <laughs> um but like I said last week I think I, I just put it down and I just wait for the sequel and then I see what the reviews are like on that because right. there's enough there that I think I could like it if it were given a different form so okay I'm done with Horizon Zero Dawn um the other thing I started this week though was Fire Emblem Echoes, Shadows of Valentia. Have you seen this one at all? I haven't. I don't even know what this one is. Is it a Switch game? No, it's 3DS. So I'm back on Aww. 3DS, which is kind of sad, um, but it's also fine. It's it's weird. It's like a... Sp okay, they're going back, and I think Fire Emblem Echoes, they want to turn it into a series of right. remasters for all the old Fire Emblem games. Okay. And... This is the first one, really, um, and it's a remaster of, I believe, the second Fire Emblem, which is, it's kind of a weird Fire Emblem. It doesn't hmm. really fit in with the other ones. It's almost a spinoff. It's like more of an RPG and less of a strategy RPG. It's it's much more of like, I don't know, the maps aren't super planned out and thought out, and there's dungeons to crawl through, and there's random encounters, but those still turn into like that overhead kind of strategy RPG map. But this one has more grinding. It also kind of has some more story to it. I, okay. I'm at a place where I don't dislike it and I don't absolutely love it. It's not a Fire Emblem game like the other ones that I've played lately. So I guess the only thing I can really say right now is if you really like the other Fire Emblems, be careful before you pick this one up. Or if you really hated the other Fire Emblems, but you've always wanted to try to get into the series, maybe take a look at this one because it's very different from those ones. And that's, 
I think I would rather have the other one. I still haven't played any of them, but from the way you describe it, I think I would like the normal ones better. Yeah, and I think most people would. Um, If you're looking to start Fire Emblem as a series, don't start with this one. This is not the place to start. This is kind of the equivalent of Zelda 2 to the Zelda oh, series. Okay. Does that make sense? Yep. Okay. You say yeah. that, and it's like, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yep. So, yeah, definitely, if you're looking to start Fire Emblem and you haven't ever played, look at Fire Emblem Awakening or look at Fire Emblem Fates Rebirth. Um, those are probably the two best places to start. And I realized that I'd left one of mine off. All the, the, the four vibes and the Oculus Rift, they all sold. That they're all gone and ready to be shipped out, to, either shipped out already or shipped out tomorrow. That... All of them are completely gone now, and it's fantastic that I, I've got to go back and check this store I bought these at uh, over and over again, and they're gone. I did hook up the Oculus Rift to my computer. I didn't bother setting it because I didn't have enough time to set up the the Vive, but eh, I'm not I'm not sold on VR, especially because the Rift that I had was incredibly low resolution. Yeah, you picked the worst one to try out. I did. I did. And I knew that on purpose. I okay. did that going in. It was interesting and it was it was all right and it was kind of cool, but I didn't have time to set up the lighthouses and everything for the Vive. So I didn't. I didn't experience it and I don't really feel any worse for the wear. I made my money and uh, we'll get them out the door. Cool. Um, I think that's about it for Weekly Geekery, but... We did have a request. We want to hear from you about what you want to hear from us. Uh, it's about that time of year again. In November, we had done a mini topics episode where we just kind of answered your questions, talked about topics that you wanted to hear about that you that may not have fit in an entire episode. Honestly, kind of like the web comics did this time, where. Tell us what you want. Tell us what you want to hear about. Ask us a question. We have uh, one of our favorite things is when you ask us about us. We've had people, we were really surprised about that, that people wanted to know about us. It was kind of weird, but like, hey, that's cool too. We'll talk about anything. I'll talk about anything. So if you have any kind of topics that you want to hear from us about, if you have any questions you want us to answer, we're going to be doing a mini topics episode that come directly from you here in a few weeks. So go to the subreddit, uh, reddit.com slash r slash geek to geekcast and there'll be a thread there for you to throw your ideas and questions in. You can shoot them to us on Twitter at at geek to geekcast You can email them to us. You can do at geek to geekcast at gmail.com just any way that you want to uh send a telegram if you want to uh if you can figure out how whatever you do uh let us know because we want to we want to talk about exactly what you want to hear about and remember folks we are part of a podcast network if you're not listening to every one of the podcasts then go to geek to geekcast.com and see if we have anything that tickles your fancy I blog sometimes, sometimes at agreenmushroom.com. And you can find me at GRN Mushroom. That's Green Mushroom without the E's on Twitter. And I'm on Twitter as at Professor Beach. That's Beach with two E's. And I sometimes blog at the new BJKeaton.com. We've been Void and Beach with your Geek to Geek podcast. That'll do it for this week. See you next week, geeks. Bye, 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 bye. Ba 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 
comics. Hey everyone, this is Rob, your friendly neighborhood comic geek. And this is Liam, the the languishing, lascivious Liam of Langley. Wow, that was extremely illiterate of you. Well, I try. We are the hosts of The Comic Box, part of the geek to geek podcast network. So join us. Bop, bop. Oh, yeah.